welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Wednesday of the 29th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, Grant that we may always conform our will to yours and serve your majesty in sincerity of heart through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. You have probably heard how I have been entrusted by God with the grace he meant for you and that it was by revelation that I was given the knowledge of the mystery, as I have just described it very shortly. If you read my words, you will have some idea of the depths that I see in the mystery of Christ. This mystery that has now been revealed through the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets was unknown to any men in past generations. It means that pagans now share in the same inheritance, that they are parts of the same body, and that the same promise has been made to them in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I have been made a servant of that gospel by a gift of grace from God, who gave it to me by his own power. I, who am less than the least of the saints, have been entrusted with this special grace, not only of proclaiming to the pagans the infinite treasure of Christ, but also explaining how the mystery is to be dispensed. Through all the ages, this has been kept hidden in God, the creator of everything. Why? So that the sovereignties and powers should learn only now, through the church, how comprehensive God's wisdom really is, exactly according to the plan which he had from all eternity in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is why we are bold enough to approach God in complete confidence through our faith in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You will draw water joyfully from the springs of salvation. You will draw water joyfully from the springs of salvation. Truly, God of my salvation, I trust, I shall not fear. For the Lord is my strength, my song. 
he became my saviour. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You will draw water joyfully from the springs of salvation. Give thanks to the Lord. Give praise to his name. Make his mighty deeds known to all the peoples. Declare the greatness of his name. You will draw water joyfully from the springs of salvation. Sing a psalm to the Lord, for he has done glorious deeds. Make them known to all the earth. People of Zion, sing and shout for joy. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. You will draw water joyfully from the springs of salvation. Alleluia, alleluia. Be watchful and ready. You know not when the Son of Man is coming. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, You may be quite sure of this, that if the household had known at what hour the burglar would come, he would not have let anyone break through the wall of his house. You too must stand ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, do you mean this parable for us or for everyone? The Lord replied, What sort of steward then is faithful and wise enough for the master to place him over his household to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Happy that servant if his master's arrival finds him at this employment. I tell you truly, he will place him over everything he owns. But as for the servant who says to himself, My master is taking his time coming, and sets about beating the men's servants and the maids, and eating and drinking and getting drunk, his master will come on a day he does not expect, and at an hour he does not know. The master will cut him off, and send him to the same fate as the unfaithful. The servant who knows what his master wants but has not even started to carry out those wishes, will receive very many strokes of the lash. The one who did not know but deserves to be beaten for what he has done will receive fewer strokes. When a man has had a great deal given him, a great deal will be demanded of him. When a man has had a great deal given him on trust, even more will be expected of him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when I read this Gospel, my attention firstly falls to this question about the lashes. You think, holy moly, uh, I'm pretty keen on getting fewer strokes, um, so how do I go about that? Um, But before we sort of get into this question about punishment, I think it's probably more important to actually focus on what this Gospel is actually telling us? Like, what's it about? Where's the stress being placed here? Now, we kind of need to remember that the last two days, the last couple of Gospels that we've had, they're all sort of building together this picture, a a kind of mosaic. Like, you look at each little instant and then pull back and see the kind of picture that it puts together in its entirety as a whole. 
So a couple of days ago, we had the gospel about the um, landowner who had a big harvest and, you know, tore down his old barn so that he could accommodate his new wealth. But then, of course, lost sight of the fact that his life isn't made secure by the wealth that he has. Then we had the second parable that Jesus teaches. He talks about the servants who are left in the household while the master goes away to a wedding. And then when he comes back, those he finds awake and ready to receive him, that he sets about serving them. And now we get a couple of more pictures. Jesus says if the householder had known what time the burglar would come, he would have stayed awake. Then we get this second parable. There's another master who's left a steward in charge. Uh, And this steward is expected to be busy about his master's affairs, but then instead sets about his own interests. And, you know, leading a pretty base kind of life. Um, He gets wrapped up in booze and violence and is neglectful of what the master has set him to do. And that's where you get the strokes of the lash. All right, so it's difficult to try and keep all of that in your head, I appreciate, especially if you haven't got the text in front of you. But what is it that unites all these four stories? There's something about the present and the future. Knowing that the burglar's coming in the future, what do I do now? Knowing that the master's returning in the future, how do I act now? Knowing that I'm going to die, does building bigger barns really make that much sense? At the end of it all, it becomes a question about wisdom. How do I live now in anticipation of what is to come? The wise steward is the one who sets about the duties that are entrusted to him by the master. Uh, Now's not the time to be beating the men's servants and eating and drinking and slacking off. And just to open up a little parenthesis, um, I think that parable applies particularly to those invested with authority in the church, that there are stewards that God has left in charge of his household. um, And, you know, gee, pray for them. (laughs) Make sure that they don't become the kinds of stewards who do become neglectful of the household. Because remember, Peter asks the question, do you mean this parable for us? Priests and bishops who are neglectful with the household that God has entrusted to them. Um, I think that's who the lash might be for. But anyway, let's close that parenthesis. Does that mean that the parable lets everyone else off the hook? Well, no, it's, it's for all of us. Of course it is. Because in some sense, we've all been invested with a task, with a mission. God has given us some authority over others, some responsibility toward others. So if we go back to our general principle, how do we allow the future to shape our present? I mean, how do we do that wisely? Well, each of these little parables has a different kind of accent to that question. You know, if you remember the bloke with the harvest, he lived his days as if the future were entirely his own. And so, you know, in the parable, God calls him a fool. You know, this very day, the demand will be made for your life. Everything that you've worked for in order to establish yourself here on earth, it all comes to nothing. So... Wisdom, as opposed to foolishness, would say, store up treasure for yourself in heaven. Know that this isn't your final home. 
The truth about the future needs to shape the present. All right, then we had the second parable where the master went away to his wedding feast and the servants are told to stay awake, to be ready to welcome the master when he returns. Now, what does that mean? Jesus gives the instruction that you need to be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. In other words, you need to be ready to change. Now, that might make some of us a little bit uncomfortable, especially when we're creatures of habit. But to be awake, lamps lit, dressed, ready for action, means that we haven't made an absolute idol out of our own plans and projects. The master's coming back and he's going to interrupt whatever we're doing. And anything that we're doing, we could possibly drop because we're servants. The master has returned. Alert. Lamps lit. Dressed for action. Let's go back to our general principle, that knowing the certainty of something of the future, how we allow that to shape our present, that there's nothing that I finally cling to in this life that I'm always ready to change at the coming of the Master. Now, we could say that more broadly in terms of being ready for death, but um, I think that also becomes an important principle about how we live our lives to live our lives in the expectation of the coming of the Saviour and therefore not to allow ourselves to cling to something which, you know, doesn't float when the flood comes. What's our general principle? We need wisdom in order to shape the way we live the present in the light of the future which is coming. So Jesus says, well, if the householder knew what time the burglar was coming, he would have stayed awake. Well, knowing that we can be robbed of what is most precious, why do we allow ourselves now to fall asleep? Now, just for a moment, put yourself in Jesus' time, right? Um, Before banks, before, you know, security boxes, all of that sort of stuff. If all of your treasure is actually contained within your house and you can possibly be overpowered and have everything taken away from you, Well, it sort of changes the gravity of the parable which Jesus gives us. Well, here's the problem. We can be robbed of everything if we're not vigilant, if we're not ready, if we're not prepared. And so Jesus says, hey, look, use wisdom to live the present in order to allow the future to come. This wisdom which is called for is you know, ultimately a gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And it allows us to see our lives and the world according to God's perspective, according to the deepest truth about where we're headed and what we're looking for. The master leaves a steward in charge of his household and gives him the mission to care for what belongs to the master. Well, what's the problem of the steward? He lives in his household as if he were the master, as if he were the one who owned the whole place and could do with it whatever he liked. The wise steward is the one who remembers that he is not the master, and he sets about busily with what the master has entrusted him to do. The future return of the master shapes a wise steward's present action. That's a good way to avoid the lash. (laughs) The danger for us, the unwise thing, the foolish thing, is to, 
look at our lives as our own possessions and to understand ourselves as the masters. If we cling to our own plans and projects and are unwilling to prepare ourselves for the coming of the master, if we allow ourselves to fall asleep and live our lives only in reference to ourselves, then we can be robbed of everything. If we imagine that the goal of our life is merely the amount of pleasure or power or wealth that we can cram into our present, then the future is going to come upon us as a surprise. So let's pray for the gift of wisdom, that we may live our present in the hopeful expectation of the coming of the Master, the Master who upon his return will find his servants at work and who will then put on an apron, sit them down at table, and wait on them. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who Who art art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. 
Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.